Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, a few things to get to from over the past weekend. We might as well start with family night. Um, The annual tradition was back after uh, the one-year hiatus from family night a year ago, and the traditional rain on family night was also back. You can't have family night at Lambeau Field without a thunderstorm, right? You think you're going to have a nice night? You want some fireworks? <laughs> you want all that stuff? Mother Nature's like, hold my umbrella. <laughs> it, it was incredible. And, and the thing that was great about it is there's been years where you see the radar, you know what's coming, and it's trying to get the thing in. This particular one, beginning to end, rain the entire time. But, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I was down on the field because there was a little bit of a, a mix-up in figuring out when practice was going to end, when media needed to be in the auditorium, if they were going to do fireworks or not. So I was actually on the field for like a good 40 minutes at the end of the game. and that's I a, decided to stay dry, but go ahead. You've, you've, uh, you ended up being <laughs> a lot better off than I was. But that was the first time I'd been on the field during a live-action Lambeau Field activity since uh, Bart Starr returned for Brett Favre's Hall of Fame, or his number retirement in 2015, I believe it was. So it was a cool festivity to be a part of, and just feeling the energy from the crowd. Yes, they were wet. Yes, it was a little humid. But you could just tell how excited people were to, have, to be back in Lambeau Field, and also the, the players being able to kind of feed off that energy. Mike, how many times last season when you and I were sitting in our, our quarantine suite because <laughs> we were in the tier group that was tested every day, right. did you and I say to each other, like, this just doesn't feel the same no. as an empty stadium. And that, that feeling was back to normal with 34,000 people or whatever it was in the, in the bowl. Yeah, just shy of 35,000 braved uh, that weather, and I give them a lot of credit for, for sticking it out. And we'll be looking forward to an even larger crowd here as things ramp up for the first preseason game this weekend. And then, of course, not too far down the road will be an absolutely packed house uh, when the regular season arrives. But what were your observations from family night? It, obviously, it wasn't the cleanest practice in the world because of the conditions. Um, you know, guys had to fight through some things there. I thought on balance, the defense probably got the better of things yeah. overall, uh, both with the with regard to the first and the second units. But what stood out to you? And as they should, it, when it was raining the way it was raining yeah. from beginning to end, and especially that last 30 minutes where it was almost kind of monsoon-type conditions, maybe not necessarily from the downpour perspective, but just how wet the field was. Uh, I felt like there were three things that stood out to me. One, Aaron Rodgers is just on a different planet uh, when it terms to throwing a football. We saw him in practice. I tweeted it out. I got like 6,500 likes out of it. Really improving my social credibility uh, <laughs> with him throwing, making the, the bucket shot in practice on Thursday. Well, there they go out. I think it was from the 40 line, 40 yard line, wherever that was. Same exact deal. And Rogers drains two of them. Yeah, back to back, no back less. Back to back. Yeah. I mean, the guy is I, whatever you want to say. And I, I think uh, the question was asked. I'm forgetting if it was to Al Lazard or who talked about it. But you know, if there was ever a guy that doesn't need an off season program. <laughs> It's Aaron Rodgers. He jumped right back on the pony, and he's been doing great. The other two things, just to quickly touch on, I think KB on Ento has added himself into this cornerback uh, equation. He was being able to get some reps there, seen some first-team reps in the dime, uh, got a couple pass deflections. And then, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that, you know, you look at how this offense is structured right now, 
the litany of different packages that Green Bay was able to, to roll with. Now, the, the scheme was vanilla, and, you know, they're not, they're not showing any big secrets out to 34,000 people, but you got a feel for how deep they could go at receiver, tight end, running back, depending on what personnel groupings they want to go with on the field. Yeah, I, 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 I share your enthusiasm for Rodgers and watching him in that net, what do yeah. you call it, the bucket drill, the, uh, the, the raised hoop with the net thing. He kind of got warmed up. He dropped in a couple from like 10, 15 yeah. yards out, and then when they move back to more of the full distance tossing to the, uh, to the back corner of the end zone, he drops in back-to-back ones. But also, hats off to Kurt Bankert, number three yes. quarterback. He dropped one in from yep. that long distance as well, which is the first guy we've seen I guess I can't say for sure going back, you know, it's been, it felt like it had been a while since we'd seen a backup quarterback I haven't, from that distance drop one in. Maybe Brett Hundley did it once, yeah, but, 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 but I'm not, but I'm not even a hundred percent sure on that. Cause they so, only do that so, drill a couple times during camp. It's not like they do it every day. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I just wanted to give a shout out to, uh, to Bankert there yeah. because that was pretty impressive with all the fans and, and they got a kick out of it as well. Um, and yeah, absolutely. KB on Ento, took a step forward in, you know, a very crowded defensive backfield in terms of how this is going to shake out for roster spots, practice squad spots and whatnot. I thought he could have, he really could have made a big statement because they, at the end of practice, they did, they did a live tackling period for the first time in camp with all the younger guys and on an end around to wide receiver DeAndre Tompkins, if I'm getting that name correctly, Ento had a, Clear shot to make the tackle would have been a very minimal gain. He missed the tackle, and it kind of ruptured into a big play. And after the night he had had, a couple of pass breakups, I thought he really could have made a statement making that tackle there. Now, first live tackling period of practice, not going to indict a guy for, uh, for when that happens, especially when it's wet, you know, all that kind of stuff. There, was, there were some things working against him there. But, uh, but he's definitely a guy to watch moving forward here as we, as we head towards preseason game number one Matt LaFleur said that there are going to be there's there will be a group of select veterans who are not going to suit up on Saturday night in the preseason opener this is very much what's that including you I think you get a veteran nights off too oh well that that's that's nice you're gonna you're gonna handle all the coverage of the game I get to you don't have to prove yourself (laughs) all right I, I appreciate the sentiment there but uh um it's going to be a night Saturday night for the young guys and, and for these competitions for the roster spots, whatever you want to call it, the last 10, 12 spots on the 53-man roster and with regard to the, the expanded practice squad. That stuff's going to start to sort itself out on Saturday night in these preseason games when the action is live, the tackling is real. Um, you're going against somebody, going against another team where you don't know exactly what they're going to do. The plays aren't all scripted in advance like they are a lot of times in practice. So um, there'll be a lot to watch here coming up on Saturday. Absolutely. And and I'll be honest with you, there's so many storylines that weave into that. The fact that this will be the first time Jordan Love is playing in a game. I mean, I know it doesn't count wins and losses, but neither did the Senior Bowl. And that's the last game he played in. And that was 20 months ago now at this point. Like, some of these guys, you think about those running backs, Mike, Kylan Hill. What could Kylan Hill do for his you know, candidacy for that number three job if he takes a kickoff return back for a touchdown? What could Patrick Taylor do for you know, getting himself back on the map if he breaks one in the team, you know, in, in, out of the backfield in, in one of those periods? There are so many guys in so much competition at these different spots that I feel like this preseason, especially there only being three games, 
stakes are at an all-time high for a lot of these guys trying to make an impression on this coaching staff and personnel department. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on our next show later this week, we'll get into more of the specifics of what to watch in that first preseason game. But I need to take care of a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365 and we have an old sponsor coming back as a new sponsor here for 2021 welcome back to cousin subs at cousin subs we have something for everyone like our wisconsin cheese curds mac and cheese golden fries and creamy shakes all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl cousin subs we believe in better and if i have to read that all season long our producer Marv is going to have to start bringing food in here for our shoots because well, that's just going to make me hungry. I'm sorry. This is not a part of the addery, but I actually had one of those shakes. Have you ever had a cousin shake at all? I have not. That's one thing I have that. not had from there, no. Yeah, because I never really thought about that before. But one day I'm walking into the Cousins. This was down in, in uh, Appleton off Northland Avenue. I was with my friend Scott Vency. We were doing some shopping. It was during my vacation. And we both wanted to grab a sub. So we went into Cousins. And I was like, you know what? I always get the Diet Coke or a bottle of water or something like that. I'm getting the chocolate shake this time, and it was delightful. So you hop into Cousins, you tell them Hod sent you, they'll hook you up with a nice uh, chocolate shake and wonder who Hod was. Now I'm now I'm even hungrier. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I do another thing from the weekend I do want to get to, though. The Pro Football Hall of Fame yes. inductions in Canton, Ohio. First off, congratulations. It was overdue. And unfortunately, a couple of years after he passed away, but congratulations to Bobby Dill and his family. Um, Star defensive back for the Green Bay Packers in the 1950s, played from 1952 to 59. His final season was Vince Lombardi's first. He still holds the Packers' all-time record for career interceptions with 52. Um, A big-time player in an otherwise rather forgettable decade of Green Bay Packers football and he was part of the centennial class of 2020 for the Hall of Fame, but then the official induction ceremonies were postponed a year because of the pandemic. But congratulations to Bobby Dylan and his family. I was so happy to see that. You saw the photos of his family down in Canton. You can tell how much this meant to him. I'm sure they would have loved it had happened, you know, when Bobby was still with us. But, you know, the thing about Bobby Dylan that I love about his story so much is, one, obviously we hear the, you know, only, you know, having sight in one eye. Yeah, you know, yeah, had a, had a glass eye due to a, an accident from, I think, when he was 10 years old yeah. or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, played played his entire uh, entire football career with a glass eye. And, you know, Pete Doherty will tell me there's no such thing as irony, but I think that's a really interesting dynamic that, you know, a guy that had one line of vision there was able to intercept as many passes as he do as being a ball hawk on that side of things. And then the other thing I like, too, about his story is that this was the very end of the era where you almost had to recruit guys to play. You had to convince them to want to play football because the money wasn't great at that time. And I'm really so thrilled for Bobby Dillon, in addition to obviously being in the Hall of Fame. But the fact that he decided to come back for that last season, if you know anything about his story, Vince Lombardi had to do some real recruiting to be able to get him back for that last season. He did. He got to kind of taste the beginning of the turnaround there in Green Bay. After it was the only winning team, the only team he played on with a winning record was Vince Lombardi's first season, which turned out to be his last. And and Bobby Dillon three times 
during the 1950s had nine interceptions in a season, and that's in a 12-game season, folks. Nine yeah. picks in a 12-game season. He did it three times for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Packers ended up giving the ball back quite a few times during the <laughs> yeah. 50s, but, yeah. but Bobby Dillon, a much-deserved honor. And we talk about it a lot. We don't have to get into it. We want to talk about the next guy, but the Centennial Classic, that's the reason why it was brought back. Not, not this thing about bringing in like everybody else that didn't get in over the last 25 years. It should have been about those guys in the pre-60, the pre-Hall of Fame era that didn't get their due. Bobby Dillon was definitely one of those gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the headliner from this past weekend was none other than Charles Woodson. And um, interestingly, when you go in as one of three first ballot Hall of Famers, along with Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson, the guy giving the final speech, closing the show on Sunday night from Canton, Ohio, the only one who wasn't on a time limit, and he went 10 minutes where everybody else was limited to six minutes, was Charles Woodson. If you haven't seen the speech, it's posted in its entirety on Packers.com. I also wrote a story kind of recapping it. Just um, obviously we all know about his career and everything, but you saw a little bit of Charles Woodson, the man, up there in front of that large crowd at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium within just, you know, a minute or two of him starting to talk about his mother, Georgia, who was his presenter for for the Hall of Fame induction. He started to get emotional, and his speech was emotional from, from start to finish. The way I summed it up was this, Wes. There, the, the, the two things that meant the most and that mean the most in Charles Woodson's life, football and family, converged in that speech in Canton, Ohio on Sunday night. Um, the night was a tribute to him and his first ballot induction, but he made that speech a tribute to his, to his family, to his mother, to his brother, to his sister, another close friend that he calls a brother by another mother, and then his own wife and two sons who were, uh, who were in the stands there. Um, just a um, really, really moving moment to uh to see and hear what he had to say and uh and you know I couldn't be couldn't feel more privileged to have covered his seven years as a Green Bay Packer you you got all seven years I only got 2012 full-time and then also you know a smattering of interviews during his time in Oakland what I love the most about Charles Woodson is from a pure biological genetic standpoint probably one of the most gifted guys to ever play the game of football just really is. I mean, yeah. has arguably the most decorated career of anybody with the Super Bowl victory. Any athlete, when you look at high school, college, pros, everything. He yeah. did it all. Yeah. He Mr. Won every Mr. Ohio coming out of Fremont, Ohio, Mr. Football in Ohio, won a Heisman Trophy at Michigan. First primarily defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy. And then uh, wins a national championship at Michigan. And then wins a Super Bowl and is a first ballot. Hall of Famer, a defensive player of the defensive year, player. all pro, pro bowls, all that. I mean, the, the, the accolades from this man's life as a teenager up until now, just off the charts. But what I love the most about Charles Woodson and why I enjoyed covering him for that one season, the only seven games I got to cover him full time, other than being in the, the locker room in 10 and 11 to get quotes. He, and I wrote about this in Inbox, he put the professional in professional football the way he carried himself, the way he spoke, the way he dressed. There was like, I like to say it, I, I was trying to kind of find a way to say this the right way, but he sort of reminds me of like Ric Flair with pro wrestling, <laughs> where Flair was a pro wrestler, but he also was a showman. 
he also would go and you know promote the brand. He would be he was a good speaker. He could go on television shows. That was Charles Woodson. The National Football League, by the time Charles Woodson finally hung it up after 37 seasons or whatever it was, he <laughs> enhanced the shield. He enhanced those three letters. And this is exactly the Pro Football Hall of Fame was built for men like Charles Woodson. Yeah, the, the thing the thing that I'll remember the most, you know, I've I've been this is my 16th season now with Packers.com. I also covered some of the uh, the the Packers glory seasons in the '90s um, on a on a backup secondary basis during my newspaper days. I have never seen in person or covered a defensive player with the instincts and anticipation of Charles Woodson. And yes, he started his career as athletically gifted beyond all get out, but he'd already been in the NFL for eight years by the time he came to Green Bay. And it was by then, you know, yeah, you start to lose a half a step or whatever. By the time you get to 15, 16 years, you end up having an 18-year career. You've lost a whole step. But why were, why, did those, why were those instincts always on display? It's because he studied film like nobody else, and he, he knew from his film study what the other team was going to be doing. It was like he just he always, he always had that knowledge before he walked out onto the field. And the plays that he was able to make, the, the, way, the way he just anticipated and jumped plays and jumped routes and everything, I've never, I've never seen... I've just never seen anything like it. He was such a he he was such a joy to watch, and as you said, a true professional in the way in the way he dealt with the media, in the way he was a leader in the locker room. We all know about the speech after the NFC Championship game, and then the speech at halftime of the Super Bowl when yeah. he when he broke his collarbone. Now that one's not on video anywhere, but you know he was Which so was. overcome with emotion and not being able to finish that game and to try to win that championship that he couldn't even finish talking. Um, but the message got across to his teammates and, and there was sort of just no way they were going to lose no. that game down in Dallas that night. And the reason his message really resonated, balance. He was the same guy. He didn't deviate high or low either way. Every single time he was in the locker room, every single time he dealt with the media, every single interview you watch of Charles Woodson, same exact human being, and I think that's why people respected him on top of the fact of his athletic gifts. Yeah, well, hats off to uh, hats off to Charles. I'm sure it was a great weekend for uh, for him and his uh, and his family. And and uh, and he closed the show with a, a great 10 minutes there up on stage at Tom Benson Stadium. But with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the Packers and training camp as it continues here on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.